We believe that all states formed from empires that have collapsed or retreated have many peoples in them yearning for integration with peoples in neighboring states. This is normal and understandable. After all, who does not want to be joined to their brethren and to make common purpose with them? However, Kenya rejects such a yearning from being pursued by force. We must complete our recovery from the embers of dead empires in a way that does not plunge us back into new forms of domination and oppression. Hiya, I'm Jerry. Hi, I'm Omaru. This is Sotia. And I'm Kairos. And we're going to be talking about the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. You've probably heard at least a little bit about the war, and maybe even the clip we just played, a recording of the Kenyan representative at the UN, Martin Kamani. If you haven't heard it, I'd recommend you listen to the full speech, a powerful condemnation of not just the Russian invasion, but of war as a whole, and how even supposed just causes for war can lead to endless bloodshed. And that's true, but it's worth remembering that politicians and diplomats aren't in the business of saying things just because they're true. And a careful look can show the complex web of pressures acting on all countries all the time. To shine a light on that web, my classmates and I have decided to look closely at three different countries, all in the global south, but from very different parts of it, and all facing very different pressure. Omaru has looked into Ambassador Kimani's home country of Kenya, which has been directly critical of the war. Sothia will be talking about Indonesia, which has condemned the war, but has tried to maintain their country's ties to Russia. Lastly, Kairos will be discussing Venezuela and how they too are walking the line, balancing their history of positive relations with Russia against the opportunity that this war presents to improve their own relationship with the United States. Omaru, what should we know about Kenya? Well, thank you, Jerry. As the war escalates in Ukraine, Kenya has taken a critical stance to condemn Russia's use of force against Ukraine's territorial integrity and political independence. Kenya's permanent representative to the United Nations, Martin Kimani, in his speech to the UN Security Council, pulled no punches in Russian aggression and rejected irredentism and expansionism on any basis, including racial, ethnic, religious, or cultural factors. At the same time, and in a reference that many in the West seem to have glossed over, Kimani also condemned the trend in the last few decades of powerful states, including members of the UN Security Council, breaching international law with little regard. It's crystal clear that Kimani was walking a fine line, condemning the Russian invasion of a weaker neighbor on one hand and echoing the long-standing concerns by African and other post-colonial countries about the perceived fundamental inequity of the international political system on the other. If you think about it critically, the problem is not that Russia has launched an unprovoked assault on Ukraine, but that its violation of diplomatic norms merely extends the historical pattern whereby powerful Western countries, especially the United States, have records of violating international laws at will, only to turn around and preach respect for the same when it suits them. Perhaps this hypocrisy and double standard could well explain why the response from the rest of the African continent has been relatively muted. Notwithstanding, it's significant to point out that Kenya is the receiver of slightly under a tier of a billion dollars in aid from the United States government in 2022 alone, suggesting the possibility that Kenya's position of condemning Russia could be somehow influenced by American pressure. 
We can assume this because of the multi-alignment strategy we've seen many nations employing in pursuit of their foreign national interests since the start of this war. For instance, if we look at the UN resolution condemning Russia's illegal annexation of Ukraine, 26 out of the 54 African countries on the continent voted in favor of the resolution, rejecting Moscow's controversial referenda in four Ukrainian regions. 19 others abstained. And those countries include Mali, the Central African Republic, Ethiopia, the Republic of Congo, South Africa, Sudan, Uganda, and Zimbabwe were among the African countries that abstained. Interestingly though, Eritrea, which had previously voted to reject a UN resolution condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine, also abstained. Furthermore, three of the nine countries which abstained from the vote have hosted Russian diplomatic chief Sergei Lavrov during his tour in Africa in July of this year. The behavior of these nations tell us something about the very nature of the international system, which is every nation is looking out for its national interests, be it at a geopolitical level, economic or military level. Given this backdrop, for Kenya, it's safe to say its stance on the war is more about its economic interests and the bilateral relationship it has with the US. Similarly, it can also be said that US supporting Ukraine may have some hidden interests that could be motivated for power, dominance over Russia, and restoring its global image, especially after its wounds that it left on Afghanistan and Iraq. This is just the nature of the international system as a whole. For a long time, it seems like when the West coughs, the rest of the world catches cold. The multi-alignment between countries is bending this art in a way that allows African countries to respond in a certain fashion that secures the interest of their foreign policy. The reason for this is because when there is a war in any part of Africa and there are wars, it's usually traumatized and taken for granted in the West. You hardly see the level of passion, mainstream media concern, and the zest we are now witnessing um, with respect to the Ukraine war. Hence, Ambassador Kimani's statement goes to prove this point of the unequal and inequity of the international system as a whole and the double standards of the West, at the same time condemning Russia's aggressions in the loudest tone possible. So this is where Kenya stands, Jerry. Thanks, Umar. That's fascinating. So Tia, are you seeing similar things going on in Indonesia? Yeah, we do see a similar position here in Indonesia and also many other countries in Southeast Asia as well. The patterns being that these nations show sympathy toward Ukraine and express their voice of concern, but refusing to take any action, fearing the repercussions that would come with big economic decisions like sanctioning Russia. Although it was the host of this year's G20 summit, Indonesia's position isn't one that is super desirable by the US and Europe. In March, Indonesia voted in favor of the UN General Assembly to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine and call for Russia to withdraw its forces. However, it refuses to impose sanctions or condemn Putin directly for his action. So it seems that Indonesia does recognize that Russia is breaking international law and wants to support Ukraine as it is the quote-unquote moral decision according to many nations. But what is holding Indonesia back and causing its leaders to stick to the policy of neutrality and non-alignment? Indonesia's position is heavily affected by its economic interests due to its strong ties with both Ukraine and Russia. 
Moscow exports of coal, iron, and fertilizer to Jakarta reaching $671 million in the year 2020 and import Indonesians palm oil, coconut oil, and other commodity reaching about $1.2 billion in the same year. Indonesia imports about 820 million US dollars worth of wheat and flour from Ukraine in the year 2021 and export about 145 million US dollar worth of palm oil into Ukraine in 2020. Like many in the global south, Indonesia economy was hit hard by the COVID pandemic. The conditions worsened when the Ukraine war began due to sanctions on Russia by other nations, which caused inflation of food, electricity, and transportation prices. But there are also a couple more details that might just tip the scale of this leader's decision in the favor of Russia. Southeast Asia is another profitable market for Russian arms producers, with the export of fighter aircraft to Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, and Moscow has also sold air-to-air missiles, anti-ship missiles, and helicopters throughout these regions. There is a strong military cooperation between Russia and Indonesia as well, with joint military exercises in the Java Sea as recent as December 2020. Altogether, this explains Indonesia's policies of non-alignment. And although heavily criticized by the US and Europe, is quite favorable by its own citizens. Thank you, Sotia. That was really helpful. Kairos, what do we need to know about what's going on in Venezuela? They're normally friendly with Russia, right? Yeah, Jerry. In recent years, Venezuela has maintained a relatively close relationship with Russia, while the United States has led a concerted effort to isolate the Venezuelan government. And this cooperation between Russia and Venezuela can be shown through their 20 or so bilateral agreements on finance, trade, military cooperation, and the energy sector. In terms of finance, the Venezuelan government has over $3 billion of debt to the Russian state, and there is a possibility that Venezuela could integrate into the Russian mere payment system. Military cooperation has been central to this relationship, as there are multiple Russian military bases on Venezuelan territory. Venezuela has also purchased Russian military hardware and has allowed Russian weapon manufacturers to set up factories on its soil. However, the position of Venezuela on the international stage may be shifting in the context of the war in Ukraine. After the war started in February of 2022, Maduro held a meeting with Putin in which he stated that Venezuela would maintain strong support of the Russian Federation in the face of its conflict with Ukraine. In other rhetoric surrounding the war, Venezuela has positioned itself in opposition to Western colonialism, capitalism, and NATO. For example, the Venezuelan vice President Delcy Rodriguez criticized NATO for provoking the Russian state. Rodriguez states, NATO countries provoking a power like Russia? What are they looking for? The annihilation of the entire world? Venezuela raises its voice for peace. You will never see us in the war ranks. This statement is consistent with the Venezuelan alignment with Russia on the international stage. However, there are definitely some nuances to the situation, as it is clear that Venezuela is also leveraging the war in Ukraine to better its standing on the global stage. The war in Ukraine has caused a global energy crisis because Russian energy exports have been sanctioned or completely blocked by the West and their allies. These sanctions against Russia have enabled the Venezuelan government to begin to leverage its oil resources for dialogue and sanction relief, relief from the West and more specifically the United States. Shortly after the invasion in March of 2022, the United States sent ambassadors to Venezuela to discuss op- reopening dialogue and opening up more of the global energy supplies. 
Nothing originally materialized from these negotiations until very recently, as Joe Biden announced that he was relieving some of the oil sanctions that had been placed on the Venezuelan government. This sanction relief allows the American company Chevron to begin exporting oil from Venezuela into the United States. U.S. representatives have stated that this sanction relief was not connected to the administration's efforts to boost global energy production, but rather a step in negotiations between the Maduro government and the opposition in Venezuela. Okay, having looked at all of those cases, let's go around the room and talk. What are we thinking about this? You know, I noticed one thing that really caught my ear was, Omaro, when you were talking about how much aid Kenya is getting from the U.S. I'm not saying it's a bribe, but that sure seems like a lot of money for influence. What do you guys think about that? Well, Jerry, I wouldn't call it a bribe, but I think a developing country like Kenya receiving a TED of a billion dollars from the United States definitely have the propensity to influence its foreign policy. However, one thing that is also interesting in this conflict is that Kenya is dependent on Ukraine for over 2.4 million tons of wheat. So there's an economic interest as well. So that could also influence Kenya's decision. But again, it all comes down to this idea of political realism, where nations tend to take decisions that benefit them um, from that perspective. So this is also playing out in this conflict as well. I think we can see a similar situation in Venezuela. Um, with If we look through the lens of political realism, Venezuela is clearly working to better their economic state through the international multi-alignment system. They're, they're not just working in a bipolar world. They're thinking about like their standing as an individual nation state. For sure. I think economic interests definitely interfere with countries in the global South's foreign policy. But I think there's more. As Michael Doyle puts it, there's a constant conflict of interest between liberal and non-liberal states, America promoting liberal democracy while Russia seemingly on the opposite side. And with some country in the global South themselves not too fond of democracy and free election, we can see the political aspects bleeding into the de decision for this war, maybe even slightly in the favor of Russia. Okay, so really the lesson that I'm walking away from this is these countries are acting differently because they're all different countries. Like That sounds like a really simple thing to say, but I think it's easy to forget that the global south isn't a monolith. These are all countries with different pressures on them. And so it's not like a good or bad thing about them acting differently. They're just making rational decisions from where they are in the world. All right, this has been a great discussion. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. This has been really helpful. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> Just say thank. <laughs>